For the last four years, you came to this podcast to get your needs met, to be fulfilled, to get a pro wrestling, pop culture, and that oh so naughty feeling tingled inside with a little bit of grass sprinkled on top. Now it's time for your hosts, Chad Allen, Shelly Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn. You are tuned in to the IndyCast. Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the IndyCast. Chad Allen, Zach Romero here at Fully Gimmicked HQ. Yes. Uh, so it's all cats and vinyl here. Cats, cats vinyl, and, and, and pops. And, yeah, that's true. Yes, the, the awkward pyramid of pop vinyl. Yes. So much money wasted. <laughs> but uh, it occurred to us... Yes, sir. ...that this is a wrestling podcast. Amazingly. You mean after two weeks of Disney, we should probably talk wrestling? Yeah, and not only talk wrestling, but talk wrestling... With wrestlers. Wow. So uh, we have with us here uh, two guests tonight. So it's technically back to four people, four voices right. on the show. It's a tag team. It is a, it is straight up tag team match, playa. Okay. Look at you. Uh, so No? Uh, no I'm we not have selling this, you and your Teddy Long impression. We have one of the uh, premier Florida tag teams uh, going around right now. Uh, the CODA. We have uh, Caden Green and Ronnie Rios with us. Welcome, gentlemen. So put your hands over your heart and right. say the following words. They... We are the there we go. Yeah, gentlemen, welcome it. to the show. What's going on? <laughs> no, not a problem. Not a problem. So It's great we went from demon shit to chill. And like, yeah. it does, it's like, That's the code of way. We demon are the code shit of... to chill. Yeah, what's up with you guys? Right, so. Yeah. Uh, so, gentlemen, we have a few lightning round questions here. Uh, this is sort of the get through the basics, the normal things that every podcast asks Right, guests. of course. Uh, the sort of vegetables before the desserts, if you will. Right. So these are some basic questions we're going to run through with the both of you. Uh, you know, answer whatever comes to the top of your head. And uh, this will kind of give people a little more information about the two of you and, and what they need to know about the CODA. So first okay. off, uh, who trained each of you and when did you debut? Uh, okay, well, Rio's here. Uh, I was trained by Jay Lethal. Uh, I was in his first Tampa Bay class uh, back when he was training with the defunct promotion of World Pro Wrestling. Uh, I debuted in November of 2014, and I've uh, just been hacking at it ever since. Excellent. KG uh, here. Um, so I actually started training in summer, the summer of 2008. Um, and I trained with Steve Kern at Florida Championship Wrestling, which is which became NXT. Uh, so I trained there uh, with Steve Kern, Norman Smiley, and Steve Chamberlain. And then I debuted, I want to say, November of 08-ish. <laughs> Very interesting. And then... Uh uh, question X, and then KG will let you answer first. We'll keep flip flopping here. What is your earliest wrestling memory? Um, okay, so I can't really like. I'm not that guy who's like like specific about dates and everything. The one thing that sticks out the most to me, um, at least from my childhood, would be the DX invasion. But I actually went to wrestling shows when I was like eight years old with my grandfather. Because he was like a huge Dusty Rhodes mark. 
So we would go see Dusty Rhodes um, when they did the championship wrestling of Florida. I don't remember any of it, but uh, my, like, the farthest I can think back and really remember, like, getting, like, a hard-on for wrestling and just being like, yes, this is my shit, was the DX invasion with the tank and the, and, uh, WCW. (laughs) Now, brief... Uh, now, KG, brief side question for you, because obviously you trained with Steve Kern at Florida Championship, and mm-hmm. your dad was a big Dusty Mark. Did you get to work with Dusty at all while you were training? Because I know he was there a, a fair amount, in, even in the FCW days. So they would let us come in during the like the big guys' training, like the, the, ta- uh, the developmental training, to just hang out if we wanted to. Um, which was super cool because I would get to see like how they were doing it. So I was there when Dusty was doing a class once and teaching people how to do promos and stuff. And that's what kind of gave me like my passion for promos because like that's kind of our thing. Like I'm not. I always say that I'm not the wrestler. I'm the talker, and Rios is the is the wrestler. So like that was kind of what gave me like the the um, you know the drive to be the mouth that also situationally has to wrestle. <laughs> now, now, my lead up to that question, the reason I ask this question is, is because everybody that's ever worked with Dusty Rhodes or been in the ah. room with Dusty Rhodes seems to have a Dusty Rhodes imitation. Do you do a Dusty Rhodes imitation? I don't. Oh. I, mean, I, can, I could try, but it's absolutely terrible. No, I usually... All of my the, terrible. the good news is usually everybody's imitation of Dusty is pretty, pretty terrible. terrible. Yeah. So that's okay. So you're in good company there. So, uh, Ronnie, really, you're... It's, a, it's a lot of just having the lit and saying daddy. Yeah, yeah. basically. I'm terrible. I'm terrible at <laughs> I can do accents. That's about it. Oh, good to know. So, and, <laughs> this is my impression of Dusty Rhodes if he was born French. <laughs> that's right. Um, Ronnie, what's your, what's, your earliest wrestling, what's your earliest wrestling memory? So, also, the dynamic that we've drawn here is that Dakota is made up of a WCW kid and a WWF kid. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty, uh, that's unheard of in these times. Which is interesting that the WWF kid is the talker and the WCW kid is is kind of the worker, so that works out nicely. Uh, so, next question, and we'll start with Ronnie, since you both are, uh, you know, the mastheads of hashtag demon shit, uh, what is one thing, one tangible item someone would need to put in a devil's trap to summon each member of the CODA. 
So what is one thing that sums you up best? One tangible item. And Ronnie, we start with you. Yes. If I had to summon Ronnie Rios, what item do I use? What item to summon me? Not like what best describes me. It's just an item that will get me there. Uh, We're not here for adjectives and and (laughs) uh, and flowery language. We're here for some weird shit. I mean, just some really, really good steak fries. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. I like the specificness of steak fries. Yeah, no. Any of the big don't no don't no have, shoestrings. We're that, not fucking around get here. Get that fucking crinkle yeah. cut out of here. Fuck your shoes, Curly. Get the fuck out of here. I I want some thick and and hot steak fries. There we go. Excellent, excellent. All right, Caden Green. What about you? If we had one thing to summon, one half of the coda, what would that need to be? It would uh, have to be legitimate Cuban coffee, like Interesting. straight Cuban coffee. Did I ever tell the story on the show? I won't go into it here because we're not the focus here. Of when both Luna and a waiter both took turns calling me a pussy when I tried to order Cuban coffee once. This is my favorite. <laughs> no, but we just had to run in with yeah, Luna, the just, voice of Luna, just drinking that in. Yeah, in Ebor City, I had both her and a waiter. Both be like, are you sure, Nancy boy? Is that what you want? Are you really sure? Like, yeah, give me the goddamn Cuban coffee. Like, I'm aware it's going to make my butthole explode. You've I get still, that. You've still been awake from that coffee. <laughs> to this day, never slept a wink ever since. I mean, that's just like a thing. I mean, me and Rios are both Cubans. So, like, whenever we go on road trips, I bring in my coffee con leche on the way. But, yeah, that's just like our... Now bring on the steak fries. Yeah, then bring on the steak fries. All right, Caden, back to you. What was the le- since this is some serious ass demon shit? We're talking about Cuban devils here. What's the last movie or show that made you cry? Uh, Coco. Nice. Oh, the, the fucking. No, number two with the bullet from the goddamn uh, debate episodes for the last yes. two. Coco, holy shit. I, I, so I know what you guys are talking about that didn't need debate because I went through that whole thing and I literally was like beating my head into a wall trying to get through it. And ironically enough, Coco was one of my last two. It was Coco and Big Hero 6. And Big Hero 6 barely squeaked by. Wow. Because that movie instantaneously put me on the floor in like a like a fetal position when Hero starts freaking out on Baymax and hits the button and finds the tape of Sadashi like um, building Baymax and doing all the, the training because you literally just it's just so soul crushing watching him like because he just lost someone he loves so much I could go on talking about Big Hero 6 <laughs> That's going to ruin every ounce of demon shit in me. So, That's true. That's good to know. Yeah, Coco. Coco was, was, like, probably the last thing to uh, to bring me, like, any, like, sadness um, watching a movie. All right. So, uh, Ronnie, uh, equally manly question for you. What was the last movie or TV show that made you cry? I've been sitting here thinking about it, and I'm sure there has been something that made me, like, a little choked up or misty, but I honestly, I, and this isn't a macho thing. This is like a, like a, I was such a crybaby as a kid that everybody maybe just yelled at me to stop crying so much, so it actually legitimately is hard for me to cry sometimes. 
But the one thing that always I always remember, and this was a while ago, but I, I was bawling in the theater, was actually the last Harry Potter film, Deathly Hollows Part Two. It's the scene where he has to go into the forest to confront Voldemort, and basically he knows it's a suicide mission. He knows, I have to go die, or else this is never going to stop. And it's that scene when all of his lovely parents Sirius and Lupin, they're all there. And there's that one line where he's like, will you be there? Like, like he doesn't want to have to be alone to die. And it's like, that fucked me up. That fucked me <laughs> real bad. And, uh, yeah, uh, there's a few things like that that fucked me up. And, like, the other one that, to get back to wrestling, the other thing that always fucks me up is whenever I watch anything from the Owen Hart tribute show, and there's oh, the yeah. one line where Jim as um, I hope I can be as good of a man as Owen Hart so that maybe I'll see him again one day. <laughs> and like just that, that humility and that, that vulnerability like fucks me up. I'm just getting a little choked up just thinking about it. No, I was going to say, that's, that's real real. That's, we're not goofing around. Like that's, you're absolutely right. Speaking of, uh, of pro wrestling status things, I think this one is like across the board for everybody is uh, 10 years ago at Mania, Shawn Michaels and uh, Ric Flair. I was there watching it and literally saw everyone crying around me. Like, I was fighting it so hard. But, like, when he goes, I love you, I'm sorry. And every man in the world put his hands on his face and started bawling. Now... Yeah, areas have like their tropes now. It's like Orlando, where grown men are going to start crying. Right. <laughs> people, people who should lose are going to fucking lose. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say I get misty-eyed. As corny as it is, I get misty-eyed for uh, when Macho Man gets beat up by uh, Queen Sherry, and then she oh, leaves, God, uh, and he does the proposal to Miss Elizabeth. Like I, Roddy Piper balls his eyes out. Right. On air, and, and I get fucking choked up every time, and it's, like, so ridiculous, and so, like, early 90s, but I'm just like, <laughs> love is real! Oh my god! Uh, the... I, I, like, ugly cry to that shit. The Eddie Guerrero tribute video for mm. After He Passed gets me every time. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Or, or also, and mostly because of, you know, the, just the ending of it, and I know I'm bringing up, uh, you know, one of those he-who-shall-not-be-named people, but... Uh, Eddie and Benoit in the ring together at WrestleMania with the like, them both with the titles yeah, and, and, and the confetti just and gone, yeah. gone every time. Uh, got me then. What a what a manly show we are <laughs> this week. I don't care. I don't. I'll talk all about. We're gonna Trump. bring up the damn baddies. We're gonna talk about all the time. Cry about it. Well, so, uh, uh, yeah, let's get to a really the dueling question. dueling demons of of uh, Hellfire in Florida wrestling. Do we, do either of you wish your dad hugged you more? <laughs> that's the kind of that's the kind of show the indie cast is. That's right. Um, so okay, so final lightning round question, and this one, uh, I think is a one hundred percent victory rate so far. I don't think we've had right. a single because frowny we've got face a bunch answer. Right thinking people. Yeah, that, no, that no goddamn maniacs. Uh, when you're having a bowl of cereal, do you go cereal first, then milk? Or do you go milk first and then cereal? Let's start with Ronnie. I don't eat cereal. It's too many carbs. 
Look, all of us here, we shouldn't be eating cereal for either carbs or age or whatever. But you do. You eat cereal. I mean, like, I legitimately don't eat a lot of cereal. One day, because I was like, I mean, I know you don't, I don't just look at, when you look at me, but I do try to watch what I eat very heavily. And like, one day I was like, in the grocery store, trying to do some like grocery shopping, meal prepping, and I was like, you know what, I should get like, bunch of quarter flakes so I can just have easy breakfast in the morning and I grabbed a box of quarter flakes and I actually turned around and looked at the nutritional facts and I'm holy fuck I never eat cereal again in my life uh, but I'm actually one of those when I did eat cereal I was one of those stick bastards who ate it without milk like I'm a no oh, milk God. I just go straight in the box with my claw and just like oh <laughs> you know savage you know, who, you know who else does that my daughter Piper uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wow, she's just you're just taking him straight to the head, eh? Okay. That's, re- that's rebels. All right, Caden, what about you? Yeah. All right, so I actually, what I do is, I'm a, I love milk. I'm lactose intolerant, but I love milk. Like, have a, a like a, uh, what's that, what's that term when you, like, do something you hate? You oh, you're, 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 uh, you're milk masochistic? Uh, yes. But what I do is I have, two to three glasses of milk sitting in front of me and then I just sit there with the box and I'm handing the box because like I mean who's gonna stop me from eating <laughs> you know like rice crispy by the fistful which is the worst fistful cereal to eat I graduated fifth grade you can't tell me what to do <laughs> <laughs> basically so, so he's he, they are both so taking it directly have, to the head, and he and KG's just chasing it with, yeah. with milk. Well, that's how they actually became a tag team. They both said, fuck bowls. <laughs> fuck bowls. Fuck spoons. That's two things I don't have to wash, but now I do have to wash three glasses of milk. <laughs> well, you know. So, Gotta pick your battles. Okay, so you, let, so you came around to a, a very interesting question then for me, Zach, which is going to be my follow-up question anyway. Okay. Um... So, the gentlemen both trained in different areas. I mean, um, Jay Lethal trained mostly out of the, you know, uh, like, St. Petersburg area. Yeah, so, for those bit, of you yeah. that might know Florida. And then uh, Steve Kern's location was in Tampa. So, how did you guys end up meeting up and then becoming a team? What's, what's the, uh, where's the origin story of the CODA? Hey, so, like... A little over a year and a half. Well, okay, so let me trust this by saying, like, four years ago, I quit wrestling. I uh, I was that guy who just hated it. I, like, I wasn't doing anything. I sucked. Um, I just hated wrestling, and I quit. And uh, I let life take over. And then one day, um, this dude, uh, Joe, Honest Joe, um, no show Joe. No show, Joe. No show, Joe. I don't know. Uh, he goes, hey, so Jay's got a camp like 20 minutes from your house. You should come up and uh, hang out and, and whatnot. And I'm like, eh, I haven't seen Jay in a few years. Sure, I'll come by. And started working out with everybody. Started bumping around. And then like maybe a few weeks afterwards, I get a message from the promoter for Tampa Pro. And he goes, hey, uh, I get, um, he's like, what are you, you free this uh, next weekend I'm like uh, for what and he's like well I want you to uh, wrestle and I was like you want me to wrestle and he goes yeah I'm like who am I wrestling and he goes Ronnie Rios and I'm like never heard of him so uh, I googled him and I literally found nothing um, <laughs> and I can guarantee he did the same thing with me um, so I li- all of my gear was gone I had no idea where my gear went so I ordered new boots I ordered like some 
fly-by-night type that were like throwaway type. Um, and I was like, yeah, let, let me work this guy. So we came into camp and we started working each other. Uh, like we, uh, you know, we we're getting ready to tap this match. And it was kind of a banger. And, um, hold on. Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was, well, it was like your first match back. And it was only like my second match back. So I also took a break. I got injured in October 2016. Short story, I took a boot to the face. I had my leg up to kick my back up, but my leg came down on my ankle. So I had a severe rolling of an ankle. I think anyone's ever taken. And uh, I didn't wrestle for like six months after that. It was like very long. And uh, so, yeah, that was like your first match back, my second match back. And it, I watched it recently. It's terrible. Really? We're both yeah. so out of shape. And we're both just like, no idea what we're doing. But the big compliment we got from the match was, you guys look like a team. Like you guys, they said, like you guys look like your partners, uh, and like you should be fighting each other. And me and Aaron, we were doing nothing in that promotion, and we were just, we knew we were both going to be spinning our wheels, just getting random matches. So we were like, he came in with this like cult leader kind of idea, like a big great wife kind of thing. And me being the kind of guy who's like, I don't care what my spot is, I just want a spot. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be just name like face like just a Johnny. They had to be just a Johnny wrestling baby face, you know. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to do something. I'm going to have a spot. I'm going to work my ass off. And I'm going to make this gimmick work. Because me and Caden really care about, like, storylines and having our gimmicks make sense. And so we were like, it was kind of like the Dusty Polka Dots thing. Where it's like, we were giving shit. And we were just like, all right, let's make this, let's make this work our well. So we just kept showing up. We kept, we go into camp every week, coming up with tag teams, coming up with, we came up with, I came up with the name Dakota. Uh, the demon shipping came out of, me and him had our first, like, official sitting as a team at the promotion, and we looked at each other, we had no idea what we were going to do out there, it was just going to be a running, and it was like, what do you want to do out there? And he goes, oh, no, some demon shit? Yeah, let's just do demon shit. And it was just a complete throwaway thing. But we kept saying it to each other all day. Demon shit, demon shit. We do demon shit. We go to demon shit. And that just kept going and going and going. And we were like, that's a good slogan. Let's just make that our thing. And bam. Hashtag demon shit. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, really, the story is just, we were two guys who, we knew our limitations. You know, Kaden and I both know we're not five-star workers. But we're, we're, we're workers. Like, that's the big thing I always tell everybody is that we are, we have old school psychology in our matches and we have, we're willing to do the spot monkey stuff. Like, we can go in the ring and work with the Ducks. We can go in the ring and work with the attack teams like High Velocity who are just two high flyers. You know, I'll, I'll catch you for your dive. I'll take your hurricane runners. I'll do whatever you want to do. And it's just a matter of like, you know, I know that I can't do, I'm, working on doing more complicated stuff in the ring. We both are. But we're just like, you know, we're focusing on getting our gimmicks over, getting our characters over, having fun, slowing down the matches so that, like, things matter. Uh, I mean, we got a huge pop at Fast Wrestling when we possess Coach Mikey, and that's literally nothing. We throw a rag on him, and he froze, and we're just screaming black at him, and he's in the whole crowd, like, wah! <laughs> you know? So that's like, and, and so that's the thing, like, we were working at Tampa Bay Pro just week past, like, month after month, just getting jobbed out, jobbed out, jobbed out. But that's fine, because we're, we're workers, brother. I don't got an ego. But it got to the point where, like, they couldn't do 
night anymore. The crowds were chanting for us. We literally went into a Halloween show where we were booked as the heels. And the, the, our opponents, as a joke, dressed up as us, which I took as a compliment because I'm like, if your gimmick is strong enough that someone can dress up as you and imitate you, you're doing something right. Because you have enough going on that people can recognize tropes and iconography. And mm-hmm. we get in the ring with them, crowd starts booming the shit out of them. Every time we get offense, they're cheering. And it's like, you got, you got a tag team, brother. You got to deal with it. So that's really the origin of the code. It's just you guys who had nothing going on. And we're like, well, we're going to give ourselves some stuff. And actually, and I want to kind of follow up something you said there with uh, something I believe KG. This was on your Facebook once, and this may have been a little while ago. But I seem to remember you were talking about on your Facebook page how you were trying to work on the character aspect of it and keeping it fun and things like that. And I believe you, I don't remember who you got into a debate with, but you definitely had gotten into a debate with another wrestler who was almost offended that you weren't like working on you know wrist locks and transitions that you were working more on the character aspect of it um do you remember this do you remember this at all or am i making am i like imagining yeah, this I, I, re- I remember it and ironically enough me and that guy are uh i would say we're relatively close now uh, so i don't want to like say his name or anything like that but i actually worked out with him a couple weeks ago and um and uh and like i i always say that you're either 90% gimmick or 90% talent. And it's very hard to find people who are somewhere in the middle. Um, because gimmick is such an important character aspect to wrestling. Just as It's just as important as the wrestling aspect. Not a lot of people are capable of doing both sides. And I'm the first person to say that I'm not capable of doing both sides. That's the reason I am a gimmick wrestler. Um, but that doesn't stop me from finding that middle ground and getting farther from 90-10 to, like, 70-30 or whatever the case might be. But, yeah, like, uh, that was a, a huge, like, a massive thing on my Facebook. And it was... Uh, but you stuck to your guns is the point. Yeah. Like, you know, you really decided yeah. then that it was like, no, no, I'm going to be a gimmick guy. Yeah, and I think, I, Zach, I really wish you could have seen this conversation. Uh, it was crazy. It just went completely loco, if you know what I'm saying. No, that's, that's um, fair. But, so. uh, things get heated sometimes. But, no, I, and I have to respect the fact that, Caden, you decided right then and there, like, hey, I'm going to be gimmicky first. And then, obviously, like you both said, and Ronnie, you put it perfectly, you guys are workers. You're, you're, you're workhorses. You're going to put in your effort. But you understand that gimmicks can go a long way. And, obviously, you guys have sort of seen the fruit of that labor. Um, oh yeah, totally. The thing is, like, uh, following that whole heated exchange, we ended up actually having a match with that guy, and we literally like went there. We were, like, we did, I, and I told Kate, and I was like, "Hey man, let's stand our ground. Let's not do anything dangerous. But if he wants to do some fun, great stuff, let's show him that we can do it. We're not doing this. We're not. We're not not doing this kind of stuff. It's lazy. It's just you know we've made it. We've drawn a line in the sand about how what kind of wrestlers we want to be, and we went out there." We did all the spots. We had a great match. I literally just the first time in my career that someone came to the curtain after my match and said, hey, guys, don't try to steal the show like that. Like, jokingly. Nice. You know, like, it was one of those things where it's like, and then since then, we've all been really cool with them. Nice. Then they, and that's kind of almost like a weird, old guard kind of wrestling thing where, like, 
they don't respect you until you get in the ring with them and show them what you're capable of. And that's the one thing I'll take pride in, is like, yeah, I'm not going to be Matt Riddle. I'm not going to be Zack Sabre Jr. I'm not going to be Will Ospreay. But I will be there for everything. You call a spot, and I will be there, and I will take it, and I will protect you, and I will work with you, because that's what I was taught to do, and that's what Caden was taught to do. So we'll always do that. Excellent. Excellent. Now, I have a couple of questions. By all means. Uh, and these are singular questions, so these are going to just one member of the CODA apiece. Uh, Ronnie, starting with you, uh, if you had to be the little spoon to any one famous serial killer... The little spoon. Who would it be and why? Um, I guess one thing, Eileen... What's her face? And she's the only female serial killer I can think of. <laughs> Eileen Borgel or something like that. Oh, the, the one from Monster? From yeah. Monster, yeah. Yeah, the Monster. I don't. Th- I, I feel like Charlize Theron should not be, uh, you know, eligible as an option <laughs> for this, but uh, he bamboozled well, me. The woman, even with Charlize Theron dressed down, the woman still wasn't as attractive as ugly Charlize Theron. But at least she was a woman. I mean, I mean, I guess if I had to pick a second. Uh, maybe uh, John Wayne Gacy. He's least he's cut. He looks cuddly. He's big and fat. <laughs> he would cuddle the hell out of you just to kind of feel like, oh, that feels good there too. Yeah. That skin's very warm there. I mean, That's I'm, nice. I, I'm not a 14 year old boy. <laughs> True. <laughs> As well, I, I won't go any further about that. He is a little out of his uh, uh, John Wayne Gacy. His demographic. Yeah. yeah. Well. All right, uh, KG. What is your go-to uh, famous monster movie? So you're going like the you, like your deal. You're going like old school Universal monsters. Right? Ideally, yeah. Okay, that is what that is my uh, stomping ground. But if he wants to go like you know obscure Japanese one too, that's yeah. fine. I'm not going to okay. penalize him for that. As much as I love Japanese culture because I was a Power Ranger kid, um, I uh, actually was a massive fan of Bela Lugosi when I was like younger. So like his Dracula was like the greatest thing in the world to me. Like, I had a poster of Bela Lugosi in my room. So I'm, like, nine years old, and I have this giant Bela Lugosi poster when every other kid has, like, I don't know what was cool back then, like, uh, I guess Star Wars or, like... I was going to say, like, a big Tim Allen poster, but, yeah, that's fine, too. Yeah, Tim Allen, yes. The Home Improvement poster. Um, Now... Did did it make your uh, did it make your heart happy that Bella was buried in his Dracula costume? Uh, yeah, I mean obviously because that's who he was. He was Dracula. I mean obviously he played like a ton of other roles, but Bella Lugos this Dra- Bella Lugos Dracula just you know man like brought sex to uh, like sexiness to being a monster, which is kind of like our mo because. You know, the whole team and daddy's thing. And I have a, a newfound love for bitch fucking people in the middle of the ring. <laughs> oh, there you go. I, I don't know where it started or what happened, but like one day we were, we do this spot called Cannibal Mania where it's like, um, I do this giant backsplash. And Rios comes in with like a Kevin Small, Kevin Steen style cannonball. And then I come in with like a broski boot gimmick. And one day I realized that my crotch was way too close to this guy's face. And I started, like, face-humping him. And, like, the looks on people's faces 
were so priceless that I was like, I'm bringing this into this gimmick yeah. right now, and I'm keeping it forever. Well, the, the origin of all of that was really, so literally the first ever match he had as a tag team was in the United Tech Bay Pro. We went and worked to go wrestle against the classic tag team, and uh, they were the heel tag team champs there, and we're challenging them for the belt, and they're like, all right, you're working face, and we're looking at each other like, we're like, we're still figuring this gimmick out. We're like, we're like Dean and Halloween's face team. And they're just like, figure it out. And I looked at him and I'm like, Goldust? Goldust. <laughs> and so like literally the first spot was I locked up with Chico Harris and then did this thing where we broke. He talked some shit and then I rubbed my face in his chest. I'm like, oh yeah, baby, what's up? And freaked out from all my phobic and shit. So that's when we instantly knew, like, okay, yeah, we are doing, like, the gothic look, but we're going to have fun with it, and we're going to be sexual, and we're going to be, I guess it's the Latin aspect of our character. Everything is about my hips. <laughs> that's how they bring the heritage to the coda. Right. The sexiness. The 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 heat. The, uh, I'm going to go into the like, bird cage. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um. You were trying to walk away from that. I was, I was. You couldn't. You just well, left it me in. right there. It drew me in. So, so speaking of, yes. uh, so, gentlemen, uh, we have two very, as, as much as I want the Little Spoon question to become the third, we have two <laughs> very famous questions here on the show that we definitely need to get your two cents on. Uh, and Maybe so, four cents? Or four, yeah, it's true. Uh, so, Caden, we'll start with you. The first question here is unfortunately in the beautiful performance art that we all love, known as professional wrestling, we lose a lot of talent early. And so, if there was ever a pro wrestling seance and you could work with one wrestler who's no longer alive, who would it be and why? Uh, Dusty. That's just hands down. I was a huge, I mean, I was a huge Eddie fan. I was a huge Macho fan. And I know, like, everybody, those are their answers. Yes, it um, is. Say someone's been listening to this show. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I've I, I've been listening for a while. I'm not, I'm more than uh, you know, just a walk-on guy. <laughs> we um, appreciate it. A dozen, a dozen. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, we can't be Chad Allen's favorite demon cult without <laughs> actually paying attention. <laughs> That's to the show. true. That but, brings up a good point. Yeah. So, um, but Dusty, um, that man literally delivered gimmick and could <laughs> could make anybody pay attention like it didn't matter like who you were you could be walking to go get a corn dog and dusty Rhodes comes out and your eyes on him because he was so different and so unique and i really think that having it would be the most like awkward sexual on sexual match um of <laughs> to have the opportunity to work. It would be, I don't know, I feel like he'd bring up the cheese before if you get Texas Roadhouse Dusty. <laughs> 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 I'm going to be, but think of it's not even made. <laughs> let, me, let me first, let me think, Polka Dot Dusty. <laughs> I would like to wrestle Polka Dot Dusty. Kane <laughs> Green versus Dusty Rhodes. Someone in the audience is going to get pregnant. That's basically what I just heard. Yeah. Uh, Alright, Ronnie, what about you? If you had to fight a wrestling ghost, who would it be? Legitimately, I remember the, before I ever started training, I 
they did this like open house thing where Jay met with a bunch of the prospective students and he asked us a couple questions about like why do you want to be a wrestler? You know, and, and all this stuff and he asked us all, Who's your favorite wrestler? And I sat there and I thought about it and there's there's so many people I can attribute to like why I love wrestling, what were the people that were my biggest like I was a huge McFoley kid, but I remember like getting so worked up when I was 10 years old because I got to meet McFoley and get an autograph and all I could say to him was you're the best, you're the best, you're the best but she only tried to break it down when I went out. Uh, obviously, I'm one of those people that like came back to wrestling because of CM Punk. Um, I'm obviously inspired. If you look at my moveset, I'm inspired a lot by Ken Dean and Samojo. Uh, but the guy that actually, if I had to pick one, my favorite wrestler of all time is Bill Hart. Even though I was a huge Bret Hart kid, like, that was, like, my first favorite wrestler was Bret Hart. Owen Hart's my guy, because what he taught me was to really communicate your character. I mean, there's so many things you can learn from Owen Hart. He's the best. But he really communicates to me that you have to get your character across, especially if you're a bad guy. You have to care about everything. Uh, I think the one thing I like to say about myself is I, I, hate, I hate watching my matches, but I do it because you have to. The one thing I think I'm at least decent at is I react to everything. Every time Caden takes a slam, every time something happens on the outside, I'm freaking the fuck out. And I sell big for everything because that's what Owen would do. Owen would communicate his desperation and his conniving nature and his ferocity by just every single... There's like That's one thing that kind of bugs me about some modern wrestling. It's not the no-selling, quote-unquote, where you take a bunch of moves and it doesn't hurt you. That doesn't bother me because that's wrestling. Wrestling's always been like that. Uh, you know, Hogan literally, like, super, like hulked up out of shit. Uh, it's the idea that you take this big move and then you don't care about it. Like, you take some big Hurricane Rana and then you're just going into the next sequence. Like, it's like, it's not about selling the pain. It's about selling the moment. Sell that your partner's getting beaten up. You just took a big move. Some fucked up shit just happened. Act like it mattered. And that's what Owen taught me. So if I could ever get married with Owen, have him stretch the shit out of me because he's way better wrestler than I'll ever be, uh, that would be my... Excellent. Very good. So, Mr. Mayor, question two. Question number two, starting with Caden Green. Uh, we here at the IndyCast believe that every animal in nature is given certain evolutionary traits to ensure its survival. Giraffes have long necks, rhinos big horns, etc., etc. Our belief is that human beings, as an animal, their evolutionary trait is their ability to use tools. So, Caden Green of the Coda, if you could fight any animal, what would it be and what weapon do you use? answer for this. I was actually on the elliptical the other day and I was thinking about this question. I'm like, oh, this question's going to fuck me up. I'm going to like really think about this. And I had this brilliant idea and I don't remember what it was at all because you know how like treadmill thinking is the equivalent of like shower thinking and the second you get out of the shower you have no idea what you were going to do. Very true. But I would I have to get on a treadmill to know that. So that might, <laughs> might be the wrong person to ask. Nice. Going all, uh, going all Ash versus Evil Dead. Well, I really thought he was going to go straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I thought he was going to go straight Looney Tunes with it, like Bugs Bunny. It was going to be like, I want to fight a Minotaur, and I have the the red cape and a goddamn gun behind yeah. it because I'm not going out like that. Yeah. <laughs> I figured that was, but no, chainsaw arm, excellent choice. Ronnie, your I turn. Would, I, cause I remember, like, Ash really like that's the coolest thing in the world. That's chainsaw arm, right? Very true. He could have like so many dope weapons, and he has a chainsaw arm. And I'm like, and I would fight a minotaur with it because minotaurs don't make any sense because horses are gonna stand on their feet the second they're born, and infants take like twelve months. So I always thought the minotaurs were weird. That's so an excellent like, point. Fuck that thing up, and I would cut its legs off with my chainsaw hand, and then when it's down on the ground, then I would decapitate it with my chainsaw arm. <laughs> Badass <laughs> as hell. <laughs> the I think of while I'm running. Excellent, excellent. All right, Ronnie, what about you? Austin Aries, how about this question? <laughs> um, nah, I mean. I guess the only thing I can think of is I really hate insects, and if we're going mythological, then I'm just going to go all ten. Uh, I want to fight Mothra and Megazord. That's oh, awesome as hell. Do you have a couple twins singing with you? For well, them? to bring to bring forth Mothra, yeah, right. sure. And you got to um, get the Megazord yeah. to whoop that thing's ass. I, I, I would agree with if I could optionally bring the Dragon Swords back up. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. Mothra is OP well, gentlemen, this is the time in the show that uh, one Mr. Brian Cage has officially given us permission to call. Get your shit in. So this is where you can let people know where they can find you on social media, uh, get your merchandise, things like that. Gentlemen, the floor is yours. All right. So uh, I guess on um, Twitter and Facebook, you can find us at We Are The Coda. Um, I'm pulling up our dates right now. Because I have to keep a notepad of this sort of thing. We are at Ocala Championship Wrestling this Saturday um, against Awaken from uh, from Best uh, Wolf Taylor and Leon Scott. Um, we are back at Tampa Pro um, Sunday and then next Sunday. Uh, uh, House of Lucha on Cinco de Mayo. Uh, um, we're going down to Miami on the 19th of next month, so we are all over the damn place. Yeah, debuting for Platinum Pro Wrestling. Uh, still have more Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling date in the month of May, uh, especially towards the end. Um, we're looking to go up to Tennessee this summer, uh, possibly New Jersey, so keep out look for any promotions out there we might pop up. Uh, you can find us individually on Instagram. I'm at best. Bad guy in the world. Yes, it is a razor and CM Punk reference. Smush in the one. Uh, and Kane, you can find it at Music City Messiah on Instagram. Um, we don't have Snapchat, not for fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you can uh, purchase my premium Snapchat. For, uh, <laughs> for entrepreneurs. I'm just kidding, I don't have a premium Snapchat. Um, and we, uh, yeah, and in terms of merch, we're still working on a partnership with One Maneuver. Hopefully we'll have a startup soon with them. Uh, obviously, we're working with Usually Gimmick Guys, trying True. to get hats and stuff like that. We have your koozies um, and all that good yep. stuff. We just, uh, and we just got two new shirts, a cartoony fun white shirt and uh, our black uh, old hardcore band shirt, because me and Aaron are old hardcore kids, so the closest we're getting to be in a band. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, you can grab those at any dates we're working with. We the classic Cody shirts as well. Excellent. And uh, we just got pin and one-inch buttons. Beer koozies. Beer koozies. Nice full of gimmicks. Damn right. Slash stickers. Yeah, <laughs> stackers. Gum. Always have gum. Yeah. They do. They have eyeball yeah, gum. With the- Excellent. Excellent. That's called gimmick work, and it's amazing. That is amazing. So. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. I hope everyone who's listening at home has become fans of the Coda and also thought about wouldn't it be great if your dad hugged you more in this very, very manly episode of the IndyCast. That's right. And uh, for Chad Allen, for our missing other uh, hosts of the Ladies' Persuasion, I'm, of course, Zach Romero. And I'm Chad Allen. As always, we always say, Deuces!